insurrectionists, election deniers, conspiracy theorists, and mega, ultra, mega extremist Republicans, and all you annoying other people that didn't vote for the tiny tyrants. I am your host, Becca Marie, and you're listening to Freedom Speak. We are unindoctrinated, unvaccinated, unrestrained, unashamed, unrelenting, unapologetic, and unafraid. We are totally organic and non-GMO. On Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ 96.9 FM, AM 700, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. I'd like to invite you to check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to playbacks of any of my previous shows and check out all the other useful resources I have posted there. And you can also get the podcast of this show if you didn't catch it live on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. You can email me your questions and comments, and also get set up for advertising by emailing me at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Got a really great show planned for you today, as usual. Got a couple of great guests in the studio, and of course I have probably way more show material than we're ever going to be able to cover during one show, but that's okay. We're going to give it a try. The other day I heard the phrase color revolution, and I honestly wasn't 100% sure what it meant, and it kind of caught my attention, and I also wondered, well, I wonder if that has any connection with color of law, since they both have the word color in them, and actually... I actually did find a connection, which is rather interesting, and I think you might find that my open might be a little bit disturbing, and that's okay. If it's disturbing to you, maybe you will wake up and decide that uh, we need to stand up and push back. That's what we need to do. So, anyway, another term I've heard a lot over the past few years, color of law. I was learning the two terms related in some way. And turns out there's an actual connection. Let's start by describing each of these terms. A color revolution involves various protest movements and accompanying attempted or successful change of government actions. Examples of color revolutions in this century include the yellow in the Philippines in 1986, the rose in Georgia in 2003. That's not in the United States. I believe that's in Russia, actually. The second rose in Ajara, Georgia, 2004, the orange in Ukraine, 2004, the purple in Iraq, 2005, the blue in Kuwait, 2005, and the green in Iran, 2009. The color revolution method is simple and ancient. Instigate and manipulate a frenzied mob around simplistic demands to accomplish whatever geopolitical goals are intended. These goals could include ousting of a president, overthrow of government, creation of chaos, provocation of war. The term color refers to how a single color, symbol, slogan, or demand is promoted and repeated to inflame passion and retard reason. Does any of that sound familiar to you? What is color of law? It is the appearance of a legal right. The act of a state officer, regardless of whether or not the act is within the limits of his authority, is considered an act under color of law if the officer purports to be conducting himself or herself in the course of official duties. Now, I recall a whole lot of color of law violations over the past couple of years, mandates and decrees issued with no real constitutional or legal authority. But since it appeared to have the force of law, the ignorant masses blindly obeyed. The ignorant masses even aided the tyrants issuing these orders with enforcement on those refusing to comply. 
Now, I warned you all that if we reelected the tiny tyrant in this last election, that there was going to be more tyranny. I just happened to catch on uh, Channel 7's website this morning as I was coming in here that, guess what? The mandates are back. The mask mandates are back. Dr. Disgrace in the New Mexico Department of Health has decreed that you shall wear a mask while indoors because of respiratory illnesses. Okay, now, people, I want you to think about this a little bit here. Use your brain. Use your common sense. Use, some, use a little bit of, of critical thinking. Have ever in your lifetime during this season of the year, which is kind of flu season right now. It's a time where the wind's blowing. There's a lot of crap blowing around in the air. I know personally over the past week I've been struggling with uh, allergy problems, with respiratory things. I feel quite a bit better today. I required a lot of rest, a lot of vitamin C, uh, some uh, oregano oil, uh, all those normal things, and, uh, and I started getting better. But how do you believe that covering your face with a mask while indoors trapping the bacteria at right there in front of your face right there where you can rebreathe it constantly how do you believe that that is supposed to help make you better think about this you know this is why this is one of the reasons why i have completely lost any kind of faith in the medical community they've all lost their damn minds they have Saying stupid stuff like this that's not based on any science whatsoever, I certainly don't have any respect in the New Mexico Department of Health. Now, now that the mandates and the orders are going to come back down on him, I bet, I will bet you almost anything, these woke stores around the city of Albuquerque are going to start putting the signs back up. They're going to start putting the big signs out on the sidewalk, and they're going to have people guarding the door, and they're gonna, not going to let you in unless you're wearing a mask. You watch. You're going to see it. And I bet that those stores that were doing all the tyranny over the past couple of years that I told you I would never shop at again, I bet you they go right back to doing the same thing they were doing before. And this is why I said I would never shop at those places ever again. So anyway, I continue. The reason I connect these two terms is because I believe it describes what we saw in the United States with the 2020 general election. Those of us that define ourselves as patriots that want to restore our constitutional republic, our divinely inspired one nation under God, would, in my opinion, be defined as the counter-color revolutionaries. I will happily, proudly accept that label. Everything that happened in the 2020 election was done under the color of law when in fact the law was being completely trampled on by both the Democrat and Republican establishment. Corrupt politicians, a corrupt court system, and a compliant news media all bent on bringing about the Great Reset and the New World Order made sure to not allow anyone to question the big steal. I say this because I believe what we saw was a color revolution coup carried out by the Democrat Party, which has become progressivized, and degenerated to the point in which its social fabric is now embracing a culture of death. Along with these corrupt Democrats, there are also the rhino Republicans with the same goals. Ponder the Biden family, 
including Hunter Biden's laptop. Then ponder the ongoing refusal to investigate the 2020 election irregularities by high-ranking officials of both parties. And consider that there could be some shared interest between Democrats and Republicans alike in eliminating a second Trump term. We saw plenty of establishment Republicans trying to destroy Trump, along with the Democrats, during which compromised officials risk exposure, something which won't be of concern in a Biden administration. We recognize that at the, at the root, Soviet socialism was satanic evil, manifesting itself on this earth, as was national socialism. Did you know that Nazism was actually socialism? National socialism. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Nazis were socialists. Thus, we also recognize that progressivism, a.k.a. democratic socialism, is likewise at its root satanic evil, and that like their socialist predecessors, democratic socialists are sure to increasingly persecute those of faith. And we are all well aware of history that gulags, concentration camps, killing fields, engineered famines that are common for socialist regimes. We're already seeing the Democrat Party employing these exact strategies. Remember the gulags in D.C.? Remember the people that have been locked up there for over two years now without a trial, without being convicted of anything, without the rule of law, without due process, the destruction of our energy independence, churches forced to close, and I'm guessing that's going to be happening again in New Mexico under the tyrant, the attack on traditional marriage recently, open borders allowing millions of unknown invaders into our country. Remember that one there because I'm going to be talking about something which comes back to that. The attack on our farms and ranches, rising food and gas prices, and the resulting famine and homelessness that will likely be the result. At present, we can't identify for sure all who are the satanic minions that perpetrated this coup against our divinely inspired nation. But we can come up with some good guesses. In this case, an axis. Remember the axis of evil from World War II? Imperial Japan, National Socialist Germany and fascist Italy. This 21st century axis is made up of multinational financial interests, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, for those that don't know what that means. Actually, NGOs were actually responsible for uh, circulating all the, uh, the, the fake ballots that were being stuffed in the ballot boxes in 2020. Remember the mention of the NGOs? The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, Central bankers and multinational banks, multinational corporations such as Silicon Valley tech companies and others, and the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, the CHICOMs. I think we can identify the enemies of our country into two categories. That would be the globalist and the CCP. I think the two are currently working together to accomplish their individual goals. Each sees the other as a useful tool. The globalists likely believe that they can work with the CCP 
and that it will become dependent upon their financing and business. Meanwhile, the CCP likely believes that the globalists are useful idiots that will sell the CCP the rope that will eventually be used to control, or better yet, hang them. In the West, the globalists, operating through the World Economic Forum, are peddling the Great Reset. To justify it, they're using scams like the fake climate change crisis and the CCP virus, by the way, which had a 99% or better recovery rate. All while China and India and India are building coal and nuclear power plants at breakneck speed, and the United States is relying more and more on foreign energy. The Great Reset is, in a political sense, a corporate fascist model. As Benito Mussolini put it, a merger of state and corporate power. Ironically, the Democratic Socialists and their BLM and Antifa, which stands for Antifa, anti-fascist, which is kind of ironic, social, that's their social justice warriors. Those, that's basically the militant arm of the Democratic Party. I mean, let's just, let's just face it. They've been funded by and unwittingly have been assisted in stalling the very fascism that they thought they were fighting. There again, I think those people are also useful idiots. The U.S. has a shocking conspiracy. According to what he had in hand, the September 27 to October 1, 1995, the Mikhail Sergeyevich Gorbachev Foundation, funded by the United States, gathered 500 of the world's most important statesmen, economic leaders, and scientists. Check out this list. They included George W. Bush. Is that a surprise? That was before he was president. The Baroness Thatcher. Tony Blair, I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce this name or not, Zibnu Brzezinski, I think that's pretty close, as well as, oh, guess who, George Soros and Bill Gates and futurist John Naisbitt, all of the world's most popular characters in the San Francisco Fairmont Hotel for a high-level roundtable conference discussing problems about globalization and how to guide humanity to move forward into the 21st century. According to what He Zin had in hand, the outstanding people of the world in attendance thought that in the 21st century, a mere 20% of the world's population will be sufficient to maintain the world's economy and prosperity. The other 80%, or four-fifths of the world's population, will be human garbage unable to produce new values. We'd just be useful eaters. The people in attendance thought that this excess 80% population would be a trash population and high-tech beans should be used to eliminate them gradually. Wow. Have we seen some of that going on? According to an article I read in, read by a retired PLA general and former Ministry of National Defense named Chi Haotian. China has been conducting research on genetic weapons. Example of those are, would be weapons that don't kill yellow people, including clean nuclear technology they can use to eliminate populations on a large scale. He stated that the reason that the United States remains today is that it has never seen war on its mainland. I've said that before. I don't, I, 
people in this country all the time, when I talk about this kind of stuff to them, oh, well, that'll never happen in the United States. I wonder how many other countries said that before a war broke out on their country. Think about all those millions of undocumented immigrants come across our southern border in which China Joe is just allowing them to just flood into our country, filling our country with fighting age men. Do you think that maybe that might be possibly a national security risk? Do you think that possibly at some point in time there might be a master plan in which a war would break out within our country? How do you fight a war on your own ground? How does the how does our military fight a war in our country without the risk of a whole lot of collateral damage? And yet they want to take away our guns. Once its enemies aim at the mainland, these enemies would reach Washington before its Congress finishes debating and authorizes the president to declare war. But for us, we don't waste time on these trivial things. Comrade Deng Xiaoping, oh, these names are hard to pronounce. Comrade Deng Xiaoping once said, "The party's leadership is prompt in making decisions. Once a decision is made, it is immediately implemented." There are when it comes to war, there are some inefficiencies to a free society. Communists, they just, you know, the communist leader says it'll be done, and it gets done. In our country, in which I'm not complaining, we have supposedly a free country, at least it's still got some semblance of being free, we have to go through channels. People have to agree. There's no wasting time on trivial things like in capitalist countries. This is our advantage. Our party's democratic centralism is built on the tradition of great unity. He went on to say that the CP, CCP's party historical mission is to lead the Chinese people to go out. That is the term they use when they say, lead the Chinese people to go out. And that, the relationship between China and the United States, is one of life and death struggle. Of course, right now it is not the time to openly break up with them yet. Our reform and opening to the outside world still rely on their capital and technology. We still need America. Therefore, we must do everything we can to promote our relationship with America, learn from America in all aspects, and use America as an example to reconstruct our country. Now, when they say reconstruct their country, they're talking about expansion. The Chinese, now this is something I really, really learned that was rather interesting in my study of this, is that the Chinese believe, now I don't know if this is true or not, whether it is or not is, is irrelevant, but the Chinese believe that the Native Americans are in fact ancient descendants of the Chinese. I don't know if that's true or not. It might be. Who knows? But because of that, they believe that America should belong to them. They really believe this. The Chinese have polluted and overpopulated their own country, and they believe that the United States belongs to them and that the Native Americans are Chinese descendants. They ultimately want to gain our living space, rich with open space, clean air, and clean water. To accomplish that goal, they are willing to clean up America. That is a term that this general used over and over again, clean up America, to make room for colonization. When they say clean up America, 
they're referring to the eradication of the people currently living here. That's what they mean by cleaning up. That means getting rid of us so that they can move in. How, do, how is that for a way to start a show? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so I've got Virginia Gonzalez with me today. Well, good morning, Miss Becca. How you doing? I am wonderful. Did that opening monologue cheer you up? It did. <laughs> it really did. Because it confirms everything that I think I already understood to be true. I, you know, I learned some stuff uh, studying um, and, and writing that monologue. It's like, oh my God. I never really had a full understanding of way, the way the Chinese see us. But that is the way they see us. And, you know, the thing is, is we are paving the way. I mean, you, you're seeing all of these, these news segments in which they're talking about how they're building aircraft carriers. They're, and they're obviously, they're developing biological weapons. Yes. They're advancing their nuclear program. And they're building up their military like crazy. While Sleepy Joe is tearing our country apart. Exactly. He's exhausted our strategic oil reserves. He's completely demoralizing our military Absolutely. with woke nonsense. And all the people that are, that are patriots, that are willing to stand up for themselves, have been thrown out of the military. Yes. Everything is being set up for a takeover. Sure. And then at the same time, Joe Biden, there's clear evidence that he's been colluding with China and other foreign countries and receiving millions of dollars from them, him and him and his son, Hunter. What do you think, Derek? And uh, thanks for having me on, Becca. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and MLG. MLG is actually, there is a known fact that she's gotten Chinese donations from their shadow, uh, I mean, the CIA, the FBI know it too. They know that she's gotten that money from what we call, you know, shell corporations or shadow corporations. What they do is they put money through all these different corporations, and she's been donated by these people that are also here to develop our mining and our oil and our natural gas, and China wants to take over. Now, the military has been very adamant towards MLG, and the president saying, no, you cannot sell this land next to Sandia, next to the, the labs and such. And they've been successful somewhat to force the state. But she is still going right ahead and approving these sales. Because they can't just, you can't just, as a foreign government or a foreign state or even foreign corporation, just buy land. Right, there's these, there's a lot of actual legal issues that we have with this. That comes from World War II. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know why we're we're willing to sell any land to a foreign entity at all. I mean, most countries don't allow it. Yeah, I know. I, I totally agree. I mean, you you shouldn't be able to allow a foreign country to literally buy up your country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if after they've bought up enough of the country, eventually they own the country. Right. Well, originally. I don't know if anybody remembers in the 90s, the worry was Japan buying up the West Coast and kind of being a corporate takeover. You know, that's kind of where Blade Runner comes from. That was in the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd have a foreign corporation that's basically run under different values, kind of controlling the country through corporate means. 
right? That's all the dystopian movies. Yeah. Makes you wonder if they were, oh, I don't know, hinting to something. You know, it's funny how a lot of movies, it seems like they are trying to t- give us a message and tell us. Oh, yeah. Tell yeah, us it's what's like they happening. were trying to tell us in a roundabout way. Yeah. Like, we can't tell you because we're part of it, but gosh, we want to let somebody know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't quite understand that Your information on immigration is really interesting because that's dear to my heart because yeah. I'm a second-born citizen in the United States. Yeah. My grandfather was an immigrant from Mexico. Very proud family of coming to this country, having the opportunity. I have had great opportunities as a result. And um, I see what is happening, and there's some different areas of my background, commercial property management, some other things that I've done. But I often think there are sleeper cells within our country. They're so worried about the conservative, domestic, terrorist, lizard people that we are. (laughs) Yes. When in actuality, the truth be known, uh, as you know, we are a melting pot. Our country, uh, most of us are immigrants. And the natives, to go back to what you also Mm -hmm. said about um, China Asians believing that natives are their descendants, well, that would go back to the Pleistocene era when the Bering Straits was frozen. Mm -hmm. And they believe they walked over to this country, and that's how we were able to discover them. But nonetheless, when you look at immigration, I really look around and I see the catatonic state of the people that live in this country that are not aware of the value of their freedoms, their rights, of the voting, to be involved, to voice, to communicate. Uh, Gone are the days that we can have a conversation and agree to disagree, and I love you and I respect you. Yeah. Um, Because if you agree with them, then they're tolerant. But if you don't, they're intolerant. So I look around and I wonder how many how many businesses are being opened, bought by foreigners, and they're just smiling and serving us. I go into different businesses. I won't name ethnicities, uh, but I go into different businesses, and I'm, I think to myself, we would be caught, literally, with our pants around our ankles if they rose up and called. They would be. We would be in big trouble. Yeah, I know. Yep. It would be. And, you know, the last estimate I heard is that uh, there is, uh, what, since Biden took over, there's been like 10 million illegals enter the country, something, some crazy number like that. They're only reporting like 3 I, million. Yeah, so, but nobody heard, really knows. Right. All I know, though, is that the our own Department of the Border Patrol, which is the Department of Interior, right, um, well, they're not under the Homeland Security, but it's, anyways, it's complicated. But they were saying 1.5 million was uh, last year, I think, was the max. And then this year, I think we're getting to the million, you know, like, well, we're at the end of the year, so we'll probably know that number here pretty soon. I mean, that's, but see, a lot of that, that's catch and release. That's also some people that are deported. There is people actually being deported. People think it's not happening, but it is, especially in Texas, especially in Arizona. Part of the reason why they wanted to take over those states. And, you know, it should be happening here in New Mexico, but it hasn't because the National Guard was pulled out by MLG and she's kind of made this the quarter. And that's what I think why we had such a massive takeover of the every single avenue of government in this state is, you know, people aren't, 
going to ever be aware of the cartel's influence on this state and how long it's had an influence on the state. But it's clear that they don't want to lose their money. They don't want to lose their avenue of getting through uh, the gate, the border as best as they can. Remember, they wanted, just like any business, just like any person, they wanted the easiest route, right? You want mm-hmm. the, the path of least resistance. Well, what's our path of least resistance? New Mexico, okay? And if New Mexico had a big, oh, I don't know, conservative uprising that it was having these past few years, they would lose because how many people that were running for governor, lieutenant governor, and on through the re- Republican and even uh, Libertarian line, right, were saying, like uh, like Karen Bedoni, they were saying, we're going to stop the border. We're not going to let it happen. Well, if you're a cartel member and you make a lot of money and you are also have your partners here in America, right, are you going to let that happen? You're oh, going to lose your path of least you're gonna resistance? Be, you're going to be donating to the candidates that you think Correct. are going to be the least effective. Hey, guys, right. we're at the break, so we'll be right back and we'll continue this topic. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband and wife team since 2004. Individual coaching, ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214. Or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Dan Lafferty. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Z from ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Putting off a trip to the dentist due to dental anxiety? Let us ease your fears. At ABQ Gentle Dentistry, we are gentle from your first phone call with the receptionist to the dental chair for treatment. We offer oral conscious sedation, IV sedation, and nitrous gas. We have the latest technology to handle all your dental needs right in our office. Same-day crowns, 3D x-rays, 3D printing, digital intraoral photos, and laser technology. Let us transform your life by transforming your smile into a smile you can love. We also offer clear tree orthodontic therapy. You're part of the family here at ABQ Gentle Dentistry. Gentle is not just our name, it's how we treat our patients. We accept most insurance plans and also work with multiple lending companies to help make financing possible. Y hablamos español. We're located at 4550 Eubank Boulevard, Northeast, Suite 101. Give us a call at 505-292-8588 to begin your journey to an awesome smile. Or on the web at albuquerquegentledentist.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong. Located at 5310 Homestead Road, Northeast, call us at 505-292-2226. ABQ.com. Sorry, talk ABQ. I got a little bit confused there. On 96.9 FM AM 700, and you can listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. We were talking, we, we kind of, before the break, we touched on, we we're going to talk about some politics here. Okay. Wow, we never talk about politics around here, do we? No. Um, <laughs> I am uh, do have some thoughts about this upcoming Republican, New Mexico Republican party chair position. They're having their vote in Rio Doso tomorrow. Well, actually, it's today when you hear this. And um, there are, let me, let me tell you something. And, I, and I've been consistent on this forever. I believe that Steve Pierce is completely ineffective. Now, I, I don't, I don't know Steve Pierce personally. He might be a nice guy. That's fine. You know, Jimmy Carter was a nice guy, too. Worst president. Well, no, he wasn't the worst because we have the worst president now. I and agree. actually, Obama's second. And, and, yeah, Jimmy Carter, luckily, he's, he's, he's in third place now. But anyway, but he's a terrible party chair. He's done a miserable job of leading the party. He's done a miserable job of supporting the candidates. And... During this last election, certain candidates that were deemed to be uh, just a little bit too radical were, were, were kind of shunned and, and ignored and not supported. <clears throat> we, had, we had a governor running on a ticket with a lieutenant governor, which happened to be black. Nice guy, too, Ant Thornton. I really like Ant Thornton. I, like, I like Ant Thornton. I like yeah. him a lot. He had a lieutenant governor running on the ticket with him, which, in my opinion, could have really brought him some votes. Yep. Maybe enough votes to put him over the top, even though he was a terrible candidate. Yeah. Mark Ronchetti. You know, I'm just going to say that. So, but at the pre-primary convention, we didn't select Mark Ronchetti. We didn't vote for Mark Ronchetti. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, Mark Ronchetti took himself out of the votes. We don't even know how badly he would have done at the pre-primary convention because he said he didn't want anybody to vote for him. Well, and, and remember what Larry said, uh, a guest you had mm-hmm. on Larry a few Marker. weeks ago, Larry Marker. You know, 
somehow he got these amazing 9,000 signatures and, oh, I have the most yeah. votes. Out of nowhere, at the last minute. Just out of nowhere. Without actually going out and collecting any signatures right. himself. Didn't even physically go I'm out. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not buying any of that. Well, and that's, again, I don't, I you know, I think the blame has to be put on Steve Fierce. It has to yeah. also be put on the other heads of the party. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, the vice chair, the chair, the, the, um, the vice president, they all need to take responsibility for their actions. But like, a, like, I, like me and Larry were talking about weeks ago, it's a biz, it, it seems like it's a business. It mm-hmm. was a business thing for them. It was not about winning. I think they intentionally lost. Yeah. I really do. So we're having this vote in Rio Doso, where all the SCC members are getting together down there, and they are going to vote for the next party chair. Are you going to be there? Uh, no, I'm not an SCC member. I, I didn't thought you were SCC. No, I'm. I'm. I'm going to do it though yeah. for the next time. I, right. you know, but otherwise I'd go there. Yeah. But let me tell you what I do know. Okay, here's the thing. We have tried having establishment candidates. We've had establishment people in charge for the last couple of election cycles, and you've seen how good that's worked out for us. (laughs) We don't want establishment candidates anymore. We don't want people that are cheerleaders for establishment candidates. You've heard me talk about people cheerleading for establishment candidates. It's like, you know, I I I will admit, I'm guilty of holding my nose and voting for Ron Ketty in the last election because I thought it was the only chance we had of getting rid of MLG, and I know there are people that are gonna be mad at me for that, Saying, oh, Becky, you're just, you know, you're just a sell. No, I'm just thinking realistically here. And you, and you saw from the poll numbers that Karen Bedoni had zero chance of winning. I knew that all along. But I didn't want Ren K to be the candidate. You know, Jay Block was my guy. Yep. Mine too. Yeah. So, well, but it, go, ahead. You, go ahead. I don't want no, to. No, well, I was going to say so. Yeah. I mean, the reason I think Karen Bedoni didn't have a shot. And this this is just honesty, is that it was the way she was running her campaign, but also she didn't have support from her own party. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had the same problem. They didn't really support her. They just said, "Yeah, go do it," because we want to keep our we want to keep our party ship. And and it's more like they used her than she used them because everybody's like, you know, there's all these rumors and crap that went around about her that was not acceptable, mm-hmm. but. You know, she even got death threats and stuff, which is just sad. But, you know, she, she, I hate to say it, but there is some name recognition that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Her name recognition was very low. You know, for me, I surprised people. I had higher name recognition partly because some of the things that I've fought for in this state and the fact that I have. Like you said, I've seen you somewhere. Well, I go to the state capitol. I go to the city meetings. I do what I can to work for people with disabilities and for gun rights. And so, yeah, I'm around everywhere. And so name recognition does have something to do with it. But the other part of it is knocking on doors, as we've mm-hmm. talked about before. Yeah. So guess what? Mark Ronchetti never knocked on doors. I mean, they didn't even hire volunteers no. to do it. You can hire a volunteer. He, he, I don't believe he went out and collected any of his own I don't signatures. Think he, yeah. No. He didn't collect anything of his own. He didn't do anything of his own. He just, you know, hired a guy to do it and said, go get it done. Yeah. 
And the guy that he hired was somebody who has been, I would say, manipulating the Republican Party for years and manipulating them into do, to literally stabbing themselves mm-hmm. in the back. And, and Steve Pierce walked right into the trap. So did some of the other candidates. They walked into the same trap. I won't mention those names, but the candidates know who they worked with that walked them right into this trap and made them believe that they could win and you know got them a whole bunch of money and i'm telling you if 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 somebody would have given me 10 grand i would have won the primary and probably run the general just with 10 grand and people said oh that's not possible it's how you use the money it's what you use it for and it's what you target and we were doing a lot of data analysis and people were like well, how did you figure? It's because we did data analysis, and I had friends that helped me with that data analysis and found the places to target to get the most votes with the most knocks, you know. But did they listen to me? I mean, they even asked me to come and talk, and I did, but they didn't ask me after that. It was once, and that was it, and they didn't want to hear the truth. Well, you know, the problem that we had in this last election, and I mentioned this before, is that we had no leadership in the Republican Party in this state at all. <laughs> Steve just sat there. He, he never was on the no, news. He did nothing. He never talked no. to anybody. He didn't call the uh, Albuquerque Journal no. and say, you need to take down this report. This is not acceptable. There was yeah. no threats. There was no legal challenges. Nothing. He just no. sat where, where, in his basement. Where was, you know, I, I know some of the candidates that were running. Where was the Republican Party when they should have been coming to each one of the candidates that were that we're running and that we're going to be on the ballot saying, what can we do for you? What can we do to help you with your campaign? I, I honestly don't know what to, what the party is able to do, but I know they exist for a reason, and, and their existence, I assume, is to support the candidates that are running in the Republican Party. I mean, otherwise, why do they exist at all? If you're a primary candidate, and if you read the, the law book and even the, the crazy policy book that really doesn't quote much law but just makes up their own policy that the state secretary put out, it still says that the parties can provide for their primary candidates. Guess what? They can give money. Mm-hmm. They can do ads. They can say, this, this is sponsored by the Republican Party, you know, and which they could say, here's our candidates and we think this is their best candidate for you. They can do all those things. Did they do any of it? No, no, not one dime. You, you know, there's NGOs. There is Republican NGOs that can go out there that are leaning conservative and would put out ads. There was a couple on uh, Hulu I remember seeing, which surprised me because, like, this party in New Mexico never uses the Internet ads. And it's like you guys are missing, like, half of your voters when you don't use Internet ads mm-hmm. because people do not watch TV anymore Mm-mm. you know they, they list, people listen to radio more than they watch they, regular tv yeah they do and it's like or even pay attention to the ads more people watch things on their phones now yeah than anything else yeah. mm-hmm. and you listen to us on the radio or spotify or yeah. stitcher or what are the other ones you say all the time soundcloud uh, spotify Stitcher, right. apple itunes yeah yeah those things you know i i know some of the things that i've like watched on my phone during the election cycle MLG commercials were popping up. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, and well... Oh, I brought back 30,000 jobs. And you're like... Well, after you destroyed... After you destroyed, like, no, no, no. Uh, over 100,000? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thanks. You know? So only the special 30,000 were allowed to have their jobs back. Exactly. 
Well, you know, the point I'm making here is that we don't need an establishment candidate to run the New Mexico Republican Party. We also don't need somebody that has a history of of sucking up to and being a cheerleader for the establishment, somebody that has no principles and doesn't stand by them, and in which we don't even know who the heck they are. I kind of want to cough his name, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, let's just say it this way. The two candidates that are running that have their last name that starts with an A, you don't want to vote for them. Yeah, you don't want to vote for them. Let's just say it that way. I don't want to say their name and give them any kind of credibility whatsoever. Well, you've got to be careful. You say it three times, it's like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. (laughs) 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 well you know um one of them is clearly an establishment person the other person is somebody that was a cheerleader for the establishment and a cheerleader for ron ketty and a cheerleader for pierce and then right after the election was over and they and they lost miserably then they turned on them and had bad things it's like come on this you know that particular person absolutely has no uh I don't know. What do they stand for, anyway? You know, Rebecca, that makes me think, wow, I'm glad I stayed consistent. Because on your show before the election, I was saying, they need to do this, they need to do this. How many mornings was I putting out? And remember, I even said, like, it was two weeks before the election, I was like, here's some advice. You need to do this. You guys have two weeks. Get it done. And remember, I was saying, go knock on doors. Do phone ads. Do this. Do that. And I was proven right, and I stayed consistent. Because I was, because con- I saw when I was running for the sheriff, I saw the problems, and so did my wife, and so did all the people that I hired and worked for me. They, we saw really massive issues, and then we saw very, I would say, suspicious voting habits. Mm-hmm. But also, we found that just people didn't vote, and it happened mm-hmm. again. And that's what we warned the party. Mm-hmm. We warned the party: if you guys do nothing to get out the vote and really hammer it this summer. And I mean, like, all your money should go into get out the vote and knocking on the doors. Mm -hmm. If you guys don't do that, you will lose. That's what I told them. That was the exact words, but guess what? Here we are. Here we are. So for me, I've worked the polling locations probably for the last uh, four or five uh, primary and general election. And for me, I've also uh, was the webmaster back, I'd say, 15 years ago for the League of Women Voters, Albuquerque, Bernalillo County. So I've always been behind the scenes and nonpartisan. What prompted me to get involved, more involved, was I worked the election when Trump was elected. And it was chaos and mayhem during the primary that year. Everybody got really passionate about their vote because they weren't going to vote for him or they weren't going to vote for her. When I started to see really tangibly the problem and the direction we were going was when I I was the presiding judge at Del Norte High School. And people were coming in and they were wanting to vote for their candidate, not understanding the way that elections work. The primary is straight ticket. You're picking your candidate. So they would come in and uh, they would print them a ballot and it would be a Republican ballot and they would get mad. And so hence the clerk would call me and I'd say, what's the problem? And they say, well, are you telling me I can't vote for who I want to vote for? You're, you're telling me then I said, no, this is the primary. And I'd have to explain to them what, and they, oh, and they wouldn't hear a word. So I would have to issue uh, what's called a provisional, provisional ballot. Provisional ballot, yep. That year, I want to say I issued over 30-some 
provisional ballots. Now, provisional ballots are like one, maybe, was the maybe. I don't. Did you work the uh, the general? I did the primary and the general. It was worse during the general. Was. I was the inspector for like five. Well, no, it was six polling centers. Right, I was our observer. Yes, yes, and. Poll watcher. Poll watcher. Yes. Observer, whoever, you know. But we still have to sign off on all the ballots and everything. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know how they're doing it now, but the last, the last, this year, I don't know how they did it now, but like in 2016, the poll watchers have to sign off with the presiding judge, mm-hmm. the tally with mm-hmm. the tally, mm-hmm. right? Correct. And so we saw a lot of people coming in and a lot of provisional ballots being Crazy. done. Crazy, yeah. crazy. They would also come in and they would, uh, my daughter's here to vote, primary and general. And, uh, well, she's not registered. Well, at least at the primary, if she was uh, registered to vote, she could register then and then vote in the general election. But that's not what happened. What happened is, of course, we know they compromised all of that by making same day, same day, yeah, voter registration. Yeah. Now, <laughs> What I've seen at the sites, there's real stringent guidelines. And the only reason yes. I bring up the whole election background uh, as we're talking about the upcoming election of our GOP um, is because there's a lot of place of compromise. The biggest compromise for us as a country, and that's why they were all flabbergasted that Hillary Clinton lost because they thought they had cheated enough. Yeah, and right. They weren't ready. They didn't. For it. Re- they weren't ready for the amount of votes that were coming Correct. in. Correct. Right. The so amount what, of people. So what they do now, and what I'm perceiving, I don't know this to be true, but uh, all this early, early voting, voting yeah. all the ballot, yeah. all of that, we know from 2,000 mules. Uh, great, great work that was done there to show what we already thought we knew, but. There's, and it happened again in Arizona. It did. And there's real compromise going on. And then we look at our Republican Party. Now, like I said, I've always kind of been in the background. I uh, was born and raised like a Catholic uh, Dem- Democrat. You know, you're born and that's just what you are. As soon as I was old enough to understand my biblical worldview, I changed parties. So I've been a Republican for many years. But I wanted to get involved. In this last election, I was a voting delegate. Delegate. Mm-hmm. And even with this election of our GOP, I was thinking I wanted to see what the criteria was. And that's my question is we're getting stuck and saddled with people that are being funded by um, money and the grassroots is no longer involved. So it's easy for them to steal positions and to steal what they're doing. That's what happened in our Republican primary this year but what i found this all the grassroots people were just shoved out by all the money right and then going to that for the first time i have never ever now my stepfather was a democrat when i was a kid and he was a sheriff he was an fbi agent other stuff so we were very politically involved in colorado um so i grew up in the culture but what i saw when i went there is how divided how were infiltrated with rhinos how disorganized we were you were there mm-hmm. oh my gosh i didn't even we didn't even get to do the banquet it, no I don't, it was a it was a disaster fell I, I i can't believe that they they tried to do some kind of electronic voting system without obviously testing it in oh you're talking about the sure republican yes. yeah convention so the primary so the elect- this year mm-hmm. yes oh, okay the re- electronic voting system uh, failed and so then they were looking for a printer 
And that literally... The, Sounds the bank, convenient. Hours went by. Yeah. Finally, they printed up some paper ballots, and we, which is what we should have done to start That's with. That's what I mean, you should have done. I mean, come on, there were yeah, that not many, that many. Not people. that many. I mean, I mean, we filled the place up, but yeah. still, I mean, how many hundreds? Not that many. It you wasn't know? that many. I mean, yeah. I mean, we should have done paper ballots to start with. So the whole thing was a disaster, and it was the Republican Party's fault for all of that nonsense. And who's the leader? Steve Pierce. Bottom line. Well, That's and and here's the sad thing, and I, you know, the captain's. I've already. I've everything already, that everybody below him does. I've already been ousted. Okay, I've already been ousted by a lot of these people. They won't talk to me anymore. They won't return my texts or anything. So I'm making a bigger plan, and I'm part of something that might become bigger in this state. I can't announce it or talk about it right now, but there's people like myself working on other things and then maybe other possibilities um, because you got to understand the Republican Party's dead. There's no way that the Republican Party will make a return for years. Okay. They have successfully destroyed it in this state. And this is what they want to do nationwide. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I know how people call us a Petri dish. It doesn't mean that if they do it here, it's going to happen across the nation. Now, don't get me wrong that I don't, there's no doom and gloom. Yes, they are maybe have experimented here, but I don't think that means the whole nation. Because we can see in California, which is heavily blue, similar people from California live here and have moved here, and they turned it red. Guess how they did it? They followed the law, right? They did what the Democrats had been doing, and they came open with it and said, yeah, we did what the Democrats were doing. We went and collected ballots. It's legal. You know how long the Democratic Party or the Republican Party would tell me, oh, that's immoral? Back in 2016, they would tell us the same damn thing. It's like, well, that's immoral. And I'm like, yeah, but it's legal. Doesn't Who cares about that morality? If it's legal, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we collecting ballots? Why aren't we going and knocking on people that have, that are older that maybe want to vote and need help? And, and that's one thing that me and, you know, me and my wife did in the 2020 is we went around to older people and we collected ballots which mm-hmm. was legal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um we didn't take them we didn't tell people what to vote for like some of the democrats do but because we've seen it happen mm-hmm. me and me and my wife especially we we witnessed it we wrote it up we've sent it into the authorities mm-hmm. but we still would go in there and if somebody asked to help vote we went and helped them we yeah. went to their house. We went wherever they were at. We would, if they wanted to go to the poll, we went and picked it up. We volunteered to pick them up and take them to the poll. But see, that's when this country and that's when the the two party system was so effectual in our country because we were grassroots. Right. And one of the things I also did was I got involved with our ward and then they redistricted everything. And so I ended up in a different ward. I was really optimistic. I haven't been able to get back to it and be serious about it because. I remember as a kid, welcome wagons. I remember right. communities yeah. where you'd move in and your neighbors would come with a basket mm-hmm. of cookies. Yep. Yep. And part of that was, so, do you know where to go? Do you, yeah, where do you where, go? Where do you, do you stand? Yeah. Can we yeah. help you out? Let's, yeah. you know, and we would share with them the yeah. local politics. Right. We would tell them what was going on in the community. So we would bring them up to speed and not necessarily convince them to our side, but win them over to the community aspect of what we do as a country and we don't do any of that anymore nope. strangers move in strangers move out yep. half the time they call yeah. and tattletale on you for not wearing a mask yep but um it, it is a sad state my question to you 
Rebecca, I, I love just watching you work. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I, I try to keep up, but... Nowhere in the world would I have the time to do what you do, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I, would, I would ask you, okay, considering the Republican Party, the state that we're in, we know. Considering the choices of candidates, all with the last name starting with an A. That, by the way, both those ones with an A are, are the same name. Yes. Yeah. And that, so yeah. that's a sad thing. Yeah. So, and then obviously Pierce, we don't want to realize. Right. So, so there's, I believe there's like three other candidates, and either one of those three. So I what do we do? With. A shot of tequila and just say, "C'est la vie." I, I, I guess you know. I, I, well, I, like I said, I'm working on something. I think yeah. might change that, but we'll see. But we we need an America First candidate, somebody that's consistent. Yes. There you go. Somebody that has been a freedom fighter all along. They have not wavered. Right. That is the person. No we need. rhinos. That is the person we need to take us in another direction. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you need somebody like me or Josh. Huh? You need somebody okay. like me or Josh. Yeah. But they're, they, like I said, they've ousted us both, so yeah. they don't want us around. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Hmm. So, um, that's sadder than your opening statement. I know. I don't know. You're just a sunshine today. <laughs> 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 so, I want to finish off uh, with a clip that I have. Uh, our our friend David Clements was in Arizona in yes. Maricopa County. Um, play clip three for me, Michelle. I, I think so we have David Clements. Thank you for joining us. David Clements, slave. That's what I am to this system, to your corruption. Hi, I'm Bill Gates, Chair of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. What a name. Well, as your supervisor, I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to cast their vote. And we found that the 70 vote centers that were impacted by the printer issues did not impact one part of the valley more than the other. This is outrageous. This is a national crisis. And you're giving people two minutes to address a national crisis. And the way that you guys can just sit there, it's disgusting. Watching you pledge allegiance to my flag was disgusting, the way that you sold us out. You said you don't have the statutory authority to do anything. You're going to take a yes-no vote. What does that tell us? Yes or no. If it's just yes, then why are you here? Why are you here then? You have discretion. And when you certify something, you're saying that it's trustworthy. There's nothing trustworthy about this. This is theater. It's optics. I was a longtime prosecutor. I went after drug traffickers. This is vote trafficking at its finest. I've seen the criminal element. You are vote traffickers. You are vote traffickers. Criminal. What are you going to do about it? You've sold us out. You've sold us out. You've sold us out. So we're not here to be civil. You're worried about language. We're worried about our voices being stolen and never getting a fair election again. That's what we're worried about. So a curse upon you, a curse upon all of you, you smug, smug people. What, you got, a, you got a, another chicken for him? He's burned down, Mr. Hickman? Am I bothering you? Because this election please. bothered me. Bothered me too. Me too. And you're doing nothing about it. I don't care about that stupid buzzard. This is sickening. You have the power. 
as the chairperson to enlarge the time limits and actually hear your constituents instead of putting a muzzle on them. Thank you. Right your time you. is up. Thank you very much. That was right, awesome. Next speaker is John Landry. All right, guys, uh, that's the end of the first act.